0: Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth, and this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Sarah Gibson Tuttle, founder and CEO of Olive and June, the first ever consumer-focused nail brand with first-of-their-kind products that deliver salon quality results at home. Since launching in 2013, Olive & June has revolutionized the nail category and successfully democratized the nail salon experience to bring beautiful nails to everyone. In 2021, Sarah was named to Inc.'s Ink's Female Founders 100 list, recognizing her as a trailblazing role model in entrepreneurship and a major disruptor in the beauty industry. In this episode, Sarah shares all about her journey leaving her finance job to starting the Dry Bar of Nails. We chat about the importance of listening to her customers and gut when growing the business, how she pivoted her business model during COVID, tips for changing careers as well as productivity hacks, and lastly, the importance of surrounding yourself with like-minded business leaders and friends for support while on the entrepreneurial journey. I had so much fun chatting with Sarah, and we actually got to meet for a matcha latte in Boulder a few days after the recording, which was so great to connect in real life. Keep listening to learn all about Sarah and Olive and June. Oh, and if you want to try the Manny system, which I absolutely love, use code PURELY20, that's P-U-R-E-L-Y 20, for 20% off your first Olive and June system on oliveandjune.com. Happy listening! Sarah welcome to the podcast I'm so excited for our conversation today I've been such a huge fan fan since you had the Olive and June locations and then during quarantine I became a self manicurist and we connected so thank you so much for being here Thanks for having me. I'm very proud of you. I know
1: that it's it's not something that everybody thought they would be doing, but now that everyone's painting their own nails, they're like, this is actually really nice and a good Zen moment. So
0: totally, I love it. So let's start at the beginning of your journey. You've had a really amazing journey, and as I said, such a huge fan. But let's start with what led you to originally opening brick and mortar Olive in June.
1: Well, I have always been deeply obsessed with customer experience and customer service. My first job out of college, I was an intern for three, I guess, four summers. And then my first job out of college was an equity sales trader at JP Morgan. And then I became an equity sales trader at Morgan Stanley. So for a decade, I covered mostly hedge funds, some mutual funds and pension funds, and essentially was their liaison between them, their trading desk and our trading desk. And so I've always been deeply passionate about just client service. And when I was on a trip in LA, kind of thinking, like, I wish I lived here. Why do I live in New York? Like where I am freezing half the year. And it kind of in a job that I didn't really care about the fundamentals of. I don't, I don't really get excited about what the market is doing on any particular day, which I'm sure was very apparent to my clients. <laughs> <laughs> I had a client once say, like, do you care if the market goes up or down? Or yes, just if no. we make money? I'm like, just if you guys stay in business. It's really. <laughs> Um, but I did enjoy the client service aspect of it. I like making people happy. I'm an Enneagram too. I'm a Libra. I like balance. And so I was out in LA and I walked into Dry Bar, and I thought this is the most magical experience. And I've always been a fan of having my hair done, but my biggest love is my nails and I'm a Manny obsessive. I always have been, I used to basically hide polish from my father who didn't let me paint my nails and under my bed and paint them when he was on work trips or when I thought he wouldn't notice. And it just, what I fell in love with dry bar and at some point I was like, there should be a dry bar for nails. And that's really where it started. And that's obviously to your point, the locations, the nail salons were, the first brand extension
0: of Olive in June. And I'm sure many people who are listening to this
1: only really know us about products, but that's really where we started.
0: I love that Dry Bar was your inspiration because I too feel like the first time going there I was so inspired by what they're doing. And just like Ali just did such a phenomenal job it's customer service and getting that brand so right. And I think the first time that I walked into Olive in June, I felt without knowing that you were inspired by that it was like, this is the dry bar of nails.
1: That makes me so happy. I'm honored to be in the same category as Allie and obviously Cam and Michael and Sarah, who started their fam, whole family started dry bar and Allie gets more promotion from me, I think than anyone. Cause all I do is talk about how she inspired me, but she's now one of my closest friends, which is really funny to become to be a fangirl and then become someone's like bridesmaid <laughs> at their wedding two months ago. But it's okay. I have we've got we have really settled into a sister relationship where she says now I'm too tough on her. So um, but she's the best. And I think you know, dry bar paved the way for so much in service and the affordable luxury category.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so you get the inspiration for Olive and June from walking to Dry Bar. And then what happens? And how do you quit this job that you didn't really care about, which I guess wasn't probably (laughs) that hard.
1: (laughs) It was for people who are
0: like, you know, having anxiety about wanting to have this idea and, and leaving somewhere like, what what do you think was the turning point for you or tip to getting out of that situation?
1: I think the reality is that I had been working in one particular job. I was super lucky, by the way, I feel very grateful that I had parents that paid for most of college. My dad, made me pay him back for a senior year of college, which actually was like the probably the best thing he could have, best lesson he could have taught me. But then I worked in a job that was after a few years, not the first few years, but after a few years, I was able to save money. And I feel incredibly grateful for those two experiences because I think being financially set up in this world is a major point of privilege. And so I was able to save enough money where at some point i felt like okay i can do what i want to do and it wasn't like it was an endless supply of money but it was enough where i could try something and so when i had this job this idea i was still working i was so actually what happened was is that i was basically like i want to move to la like that's really what what the first catalyst and i knew i wanted to move just because I was ready for something different. I was getting a divorce. Like, I just was like in my mindset. I was like, I am ready for, I mean, I guess I was torpedoing my life. (laughs) Everyone thought I was having like a psychotic break. They're like, you want to quit your job, move your city, leave your husband. I'm like, yes, I know it sounds crazy, but it just was the right. It was a right perfect storm for me to be bold enough. I think, because I was changing so much about my life already. My first husband was wonderful, but we weren't life partners. And so I just really, you know, I think there's just like, sometimes you're just making a bunch of changes and you just say, I'm going to do this, but I had enough savings and I had the idea and I felt so passionate about the idea. So I quit Morgan Stanley because of LA and I went to work for my dad. He had recently started again, major point of privilege, but he had recently started with something that he used to work with a brokerage firm. And so I kind of helped them get and running on a few clients and and really they helped me because i think the reality was that i needed something they kind of needed someone and it really worked out well because they were there i think they were like a year or two into that business but when i was there i had the idea for Olive in june and so i when one of my clients actually at the time got fired um from his job because that's just the way markets go you get fired things happen he landed you know two seconds later but i took that like two week opportunity to say i have this idea and I think I should go too. And my dad was like, well, "What are you talking about?" But there's really nothing more motivating, I think, to quit your job than when you're working for someone in your family who's, you know, wonderful but extremely difficult. And so it was just this right time, right opportunity. Driver had just been written up in Forbes, and I was like, "I'm going to be Ali Webb," which obviously has totally changed because we've become our business has really pivoted into products and that, you know, we had, we had to close our song to the pandemic. So it was really, it's ended in a much different place than it started, but that's really what gave me the inspiration. I didn't model anything. I just went for a business plan. No. And like, what, like, I would never encourage
0: someone to do that. Um, but But I I feel like everybody I speak that I speak to, nobody had the business plan. So it's like, while you would encourage people to do that, I think there's very few people with successful businesses who ever started with a business plan. I,
1: yeah, by the way, I agree with that. I think if you are the person who will start a business and will, and will do everything literally in your, in your capabilities to not let it fail, then you don't need a business plan. If you are someone who won't be that person, which by the way, I would question being an entrepreneur, but I also think, (laughs) but I think some people want to do this and they don't really have the internal fortitude to, to just like emotionally break through. And if you don't, then I would, then I would rely heavily on the analytics. And I don't think yeah. that that's bad. I think there's multiple different types of entrepreneurs.
0: I'm definitely a gut-based
1: I'm less so now, but I I am a very gut-based entrepreneur.
0: For sure. I'm the same exact way.
1: So I love us. We're so perfect.
0: I know. Yeah. So- <laughs> <meant to> <laughs> So the idea for products, was that ever an idea or that was a total pivot come COVID?
1: Everyone asks this question because it's so funny to me. We've launched products well before COVID. So,
0: but I would say right, you had, but it was that going to be like, here's the business is going to be totally this.
1: Totally. I think that if you told me that the products business would take off so much that we would and, and that we would close the salon, I would have said that's absolutely not what the plan was, right? The plan was absolutely to continue to grow the salons and grow the salon business and have them be you know, part of the same nail world, like your nail routine doesn't have to be one or the other, like for most people, it's a combination to the point of you have products by your, by your desk that you just showed me, but you probably also once in a while go to a salon. Like the reality is that everyone has a, has a nail routine and the cadence between how much you do a salon, how much you do at home. It's just super unique for me. I'm obviously hundred percent at home, but, and a lot of our community is, but not all. And I've diehard press on users that still get a pedicure once a month. And then they just do polish changes when it chips. And so I think it's just, everyone has a different nail routine. And so the products I was really at the beginning, just to answer your question at the beginning, I was against products because I was like, no one needs another nail polish in this world. Like it just doesn't need to exist. But what I realized and the reason why we did the Manny system and then subsequent petty system press-ons and press-on system is because actually two things. One, almost all the products are made for manicurists and put on a shelf for you. So there are no, that we, we really are the first ever, you know, DIY nail consumer focused company. Right. And so the second thing is that the products could be, there's so much that could be done to not only teach you, but also like to enhance the products and make them so much better than what was currently on the shelf. And so because I understood the opportunity and because I understood the opportunity that DIY nail, like that there was no focus on that. There was just focus on the manicurist. I thought, oh, well we have this exploding brand. We can, we can be the DIY nail brand. We can be the first ever consumer focused nail brand.
0: And then COVID happened, and you were like such a rock star, going <laughs> on Instagram lives all the time and doing your—I don't know what it was called—like your mani university or bootcamp. Yeah, <laughs> which was amazing. It was—you I mean, we really created live. such a community, <laughs> like overnight. I mean, not that you didn't have one before, but I think that was, you know, the perfect place, the perfect time.
1: I think we just got really. I think we were in that moment. Of, first of all, our our, um, VP of content and creative had literally already done this for herself. Like she had taught herself to paint her own nails in seven days. So when she joined Olive in June, and her background is a lot of beauty and wellness, et cetera, and so she was just like, "Well, I've been getting gels for a long time, so I better figure this out if I'm <laughs> going to create all this." And she was so in. She's so into nails. But I think also, so we had like, that as like our, like North star of like, you could teach yourself. Cause I taught myself over a year while I was testing products, et cetera. So we had that. And then I think we also had, we all f- felt a sense of like confusion and sadness and worry. And we had to channel our, our, you know, about the world. Right. And so we had to channel our energies. And so we thought, and our sales are spiking. And so I was like, all these people are buying these boxes. Like, what are we going to, at the time they were called studio boxes, but they're Manny systems now, which makes, which makes more sense. But it, I was like, if they all have their Manny systems, who's going to teach them the couple of videos that we have. And so we started going live and the, the, it just like, was like the numbers were climbing every single day of people watching and doing it. And so we just kept doing it for seven weeks in a row. We went live every day, which is almost 50 days. And I, at some point was like, are we going to do this forever? Because I don't (laughs) think, I think the team needs a break, but it was really fun and a big moment in time. And I feel really grateful that we had the opportunity to be like a small bit of joy in people's lives at that moment.
0: Absolutely. So for people who don't know that, let's get into a little bit about the Manny system because there's so many wonderful things about it. One of which is your boppy in the brush that is like, hello, how how did that, that exist before? I know. It's so funny because- when we were creating the poppy, it
1: was all. Poppy. Oh, okay. I got a poppy. <laughs> oh, I didn't even hear. I was okay. like, um, but when we were creating the poppy, it was it was really obvious to me that the biggest hang up people had when they are painting their nails was like, I can't paint with my non-dominant hand. Usually, they say left hand, but like for left-handers, I can't paint with my right hand. So. We really felt like if we could solve that problem, or I felt like that, I should say, because it was really me at that point with our brand director. And I was like, we got to solve this problem because we did all these surveys. That was the number one problem. And so we hired industrial designers and engineers to work with us, to study how the manicure is painted, how, how you paint in yourself. And really that was the biggest hang up. So if we could stabilize your non-dominant hand, then you could paint your nails and it wouldn't look like your seven, my seven-year-old painted the other one. And so that was really the inspiration. Then we realized we got some feedback from, from people. We took surveys. Oh, I want like a Manny, like a what's my kit. And so it was kind of last minute and it always sounds haphazard when I say these on, on these interviews, but like, it was kind of last minute where I was like, oh, we need like a whole kit around this thing. But we were able, because we had so much Intel from the salons of like, should you use a buffer? Should you use a file? Do you need cuticle nippers? Like we were able to create the Manny system, which is essentially everything you need and nothing you don't, right? There's nothing superfluous in it to get a salon perfect Manny at home. And so that was really, really exciting. It, by the way, is the reason why we have a, an online business like we do. And we were able to kind of have a substantial econ business because we have a system that you you order and then you repeat on your polishes and because shipping and fulfillment is so crazy we were able to build a direct consumer business on a nail brand for the first time ever which was really exciting and i also think it was a one it was a one product solution to people's problems. And I love that because I don't want to be the person like you go to the nail wall at any drugstore, store, et cetera, not really at target. Cause we are sold there. And so it's perfectly mm-hmm. assorted. but you go to most places and you're like, do I need a buffer? Do I need a, fi- like, what do I need? Do I need those cuticle nippers? And then you cut yourself and you're like, Oh, I'm not doing this anymore. And so the idea that it was all packaged in one similar, to like how proactive, right. Had originally yeah. said like, this is your skincare routine. And so I just really liked that. And I thought, the consumer might like it too.
0: And obviously it went nuts. So it's it's a support to our business. It's amazing. And I think it's such a good lesson in listening and serving your consumers that you're also able to gain those insights. Like you had consumers, you had the market of your actual uh, shops to also have that information, which is so critical.
1: Yeah, we use the learnings in in salon. We used uh, we worked with like we utilized Survey Monkey surveys, like really like understanding what what non-customers of ours were thinking and feeling across the country. We did many surveys with different different cuts of people to like try to understand w- what people wanted because we didn't want to serve just our salon community, which by the way is very salon dependent, and we also didn't want to serve totally outside of people that didn't care in nails, right? So you really want to try to figure out who cares in nails that, you know, it hasn't been your salon, your salon learnings. And then also we did tons of social media surveys. So we really pulled our community in as well. So it was like, I, I would say there was like three ways to pull data and information. And then you can also look at all the data. If you, you know, for anyone who's starting a business, sure, you're doing, you're doing, you know, more kind of like general surveys on a SurveyMonkey, you're doing your own community and you're doing, you know, so if you haven't in real life, you can do that as well, but you can also take industry data and look at, so for us, that's IRI because that's uh, mass market data. And you can really look at what sells and what people are are interested in. And then you have an idea of like, okay, they care about X. It's not a perfect science, but I think that plus a good gut feel, and you should get really close to where the consumer is currently. And then you can either lead them to a new place or you can enhance and improve upon the place that they're in.
0: So talking about gut, when you said earlier about you initially were like so much by your gut, not so much anymore. Curious to hear what that is like for you today and how much are you looking at data analytics gut and marrying the two or not?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we were such a gut company in the beginning. I mean, obviously we took that initial data, but then we really rolled with it and listened to our community more than anything else for a long time. I think as we grow and we scale, what we realize also is that it won't just be our community. It'll also be new customers and thinking about like what other customers in the market want. Our community was not particularly obsessed with press on. We had definitely tons of requests, but I wouldn't say it was like 90% of our community. I would say it was like probably a solid quarter of our community asked about it, but I was really nervous about press-ons, for example. This is just a good anecdotal example of like, I didn't know if we should launch them. I knew some of our community wanted it, but I I thought most of our community was really a polish consumer and they were obsessed with polish. And I didn't ever want the focus to go away from what we had built the brand on. But I realized that Beautiful Nails for Everyone means everyone. And so you need to be inclusive on the product side as well. And so we've, we've leveraged that data, you know, to really understand who is that press on consumer? What do they want? How can we make it better? What do they actually care about? And some things that are table stakes for us. I mean, I'm not sure that everybody was like, we want a sustainable press on, but for all of in June, that was table stakes. So I think it's just also figuring out like Gut-wise, what makes sense to you and what you think the consumer is going to like, designs, et cetera, but also what does the market want? What are they looking for? And so, yeah, we look at we look at a lot of data. I would say that we try to always be thinking about the consumer first, because I think that the consumer is also responding to what they've been given by non-consumer focused companies. And so you have to just like be able to kind of cut the data a couple of different ways to say, okay, I think this is the direction we should go in, but also, okay, I'm going to try this thing and see what happens. I mean, there's definitely products. We've done that with a pedicure system, for example, where we weren't totally sure anyone needed it, but we felt like, because it doesn't exist. And so there's no way to understand other than people saying, I wish you had tools that were petty specific.
0: Totally. So you got into Target last year? Last year? Mm -hmm this year
1: it's going to surprise you to know that this is our fourth year exclusive oh my God. at target okay. i know no one oh, well, the, the first, pandemic like threw it <laughs> <off>. <laughs> the first year was we did a end cap in the summer we did a collaboration um with Essie actually and that was in 2018 and then we launched really in line in 2020 and so this is our fourth year of exclusive it's my favorite It's my favorite retailer. It's been, it's been a dream to build this brand with them. I sound like I'm about to start crying. I'm not, but I could, because I really am so deeply appreciative of that partnership and what we've been able to build. It's typically, usually don't say this long, uh, exclusive at a retailer, but for me, I have just really, I just, I I've absolutely loved building it with them. It's, it's exploded with them. And I, I feel deeply grateful to, I mean, that first buyer, Lindsay, major shout out, took a huge chance on the brand. And I'm like forever grateful to her for her partnership.
0: So at this stage of the business, what would you say is the most challenging? I know we talked about before we got recording, both of us chatting about supply chain and all that stuff, but just whether it's, you know, supply chain or team or where are you feeling the most angst at this point?
1: I think it's just a really different business now. So it, what started as like this, like gut feel, you like put something on the world, you see how things go. And then you react now, when you have to, you've built the business, right. You've like built enough of the business where you're into scale mode. I think it's just a completely different skill set, And so I think that for me is the biggest challenge is like shifting my mindset equity sales trading, which was my first job is like a moment to moment job, like from nine 30 to four, when the market is open, you are fully focused. You are like, it is like, you know, like lights are lighting up on the board. Like stocks are moving constantly. Like you are literally, and you're just trading all day long. And I'm really good in that mode. I'm good in the salon. I'm good in the like reactionary. When you push, when you kind of move into scale, you're more of like an investment banker where you're like putting together deals and then pitching them. And big collaborations or what's my distribution strategy or, you know, working with suppliers on not just like, I want to produce this, but actually what's my long-term plan and negotiate out what the actual, what scale will give me in terms of like cost efficiency. So to me, it's like a completely different business. I feel like I get to go to business school every day and like, but also it's my business. So it's, I'm I'm emotional and I'm trying to be analytical um, and learn, but So I think everything is challenging. I don't interact with my team as much as I used to because there's just other things that are pulling at me. I mean- Do you guys have an office
0: or are you all remote?
1: We're fully remote right now. Half our team moved during the pandemic, which was super exciting because I love that people can live where they want to live and do this amazing work with all of in June. And we have not pushed anyone to come back. I think the reality is like we understand that people, it's a big perk to be able to live where you want to live no matter what. And Uh and we're not like, you know, and, and keep that LA salary. So I I'm deeply appreciative of the team and, and all, I mean, they've worked so hard. So like, it's the least I think we can do, but I also think that I really do. Yeah. So I think it's, but of course, finding amazing team members is like one of the most difficult challenges. And I think, but also it's pushed me into a, be a better leader. How do you, how do you really focus on retention? How do you really focus on retaining the people that, that really are pushing this business forward? How do you continue? You know, we did summer Fridays for the first time. It's honestly the first time I think we've been able to do it just as a business based on, on making sure we had enough team members. And it's been, I mean, I know it's like some people are standard. Some people never get summer Fridays, but the reality is summer Fridays is like life changing.
0: So it's huge, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing.
1: And we do no meetings too. So it's like get your work done and then go enjoy your weekend. And so it's just like, I do think that as I as we think through retention of our amazing people, but also making this like a really good environment for people to work in. I I I I I came from a really, I wouldn't say it's a toxic environment because I love my time in finance, but it is not an environment where like anyone's emotions are considered. And so, and I, you know, I kind of grew up in that way with a dad like that as well, former finance guy. So I think it's been a really big lesson for me of like, how do you create an amazing work environment? And and we continue to learn every day. So it's all kind of hard, I guess. Um, yeah. But
0: it's amazing.
1: Like at the same time, it's amazing. And it feels really cool to have done so many different things with this business and this brand.
0: I, I think if it wasn't hard, like that's when it would not, you probably wouldn't love it as much, right? If it was like easy every day, you know, part of it the passion is the challenge and like trying to figure out that piece of the puzzle every day. I obviously like it. I'm like addicted to it. Right. It's,
1: all my friends are like, what are you going to do? Like at some point it's like, you know, at some point I might not be the CEO anymore. You know, like all these things, right. As you build new skills business. And my job has changed a lot ever since, you know, we have a COO, CRO. It was absolutely incredible. And so my, my job has changed a lot since she came on, she was first our GM and then and then grew into those other roles very, very quickly. She's incredible. But I, I think I, I am a bit addicted to it. I also, I'm trying really hard to, and I encourage everyone to do this. I'm trying really hard to give a ton of autonomy to my team and really encourage and empower them to make their decisions because I think I can be a re- great resource, but we hire talented people and we should like turn them loose and and have them create magical things within the brand.
0: Absolutely. So we talked about your friendship with Allie earlier. I'm curious to hear, I know for myself, like having other female entrepreneur friends is so important. And, and we were saying earlier, like it is lonely. It's not a lot of people are in this environment that is like all encompassing. It's everything you think about every day. And some of the ups and downs are really stressful. So curious to hear for you, like how you find, uh, obviously Ally is a big support, but kind of how you find support and any tips around that. Absolutely. I,
1: and Instagram is deceiving, right? Everyone (laughs) thinks our lives
0: are perfect via Instagram.
1: And I'm not a person who posts a ton. I, I don't, I barely post anything when I'm in a frustrated or bad mood. I just, for me, putting that energy out in the world just doesn't feel I don't know. It doesn't feel helpful. Like it doesn't solve the problem, but I do think it makes it a little misleading and people think, Oh, founders, like they're, they're living their best life. They're their own boss. This is great. It's like the actual amount of stress that I feel now versus when I worked in what most people would consider a really high stress job is 16 to one. You know, it's not even, it's not even close. I really try to surround myself with two types of people. I think the first is definitely other founders, but also other C-level executives, you know, leaders of their business who really, not only I can be helpful to them, but they can be helpful to me. And it's a real, true partnership and friendship. And, you know, whether that be Sheena Kosas, who's like a dear, dear friend, or one of my friends is the CMO of Beats. He's incredible, Chris. And I, I think just, and so on and so forth, I really try to have a network of people that I, that I can lean on and really hopefully they can lean on me as well, but also it's like really trusted, trusted group. I recently joined YPO and I find that to be, you know, some people are like, it's a group for presidents and CEOs, but the reality is there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot personally and professionally that if you can have a confidential group of people that you can really vent to, in addition to my therapist, it's a (laughs) wonderful thing. And it's wonderful to support others, right? I think like, that's probably what I get the most joy out of with YPO is actually being supportive to others who are going through, whether it be negotiations or things that are personal, et cetera. The second group of people is my true friends. And I really try to curate a group of people that are my real friends, no matter what a lot of those people are from high school or college and, but some are new friends as well, but I really seek out just genuine humans that I can have a real relationship with that. Like if everything ended tomorrow, they would not care. They loved me anyway. And I have been, I think I've done a great job of that generally, but in the last three or four years, I've pushed myself to really get back into those relationships because I think it's, in, it's incredibly hard and you just see people that not only are going to call you on your BS, but also just be your true friend forever. So I think that those two groups of people for me, they don't leave a ton of air for anything else Um, between that, my daughter and, you know, my family, but those are, that's kind of who I lean on.
0: That's great. So as you think about kind of getting into some of your other, as you said, like how do you balance everything else and curious to hear what routines you have or things in your life that you do to either wellness things or just other I know I know I've seen they use superhuman app which I use too and love and I also saw that you have an aura ring so let's dive into all that kind of good stuff
1: I'm obsessed with my aura ring by the way I think it's literally an aura if you're listening can we please make a more attractive version but they have to come out with like a woman's version I do it's Like slimmer. Like, I think lots of people would like that. I'm like, men would like that too. Like, come on, we need, there was a Gucci one that came out, but it was still not. I'm like, but if they came out with different versions, I would rock different versions totally constantly. Um, But I'm trying to prioritize sleep. And so I got the ordering because it really pushes me to sleep. And it definitely pushes me to like get my steps in and work out and all of that, which I
0: think is good. Um, Any tips that you've learned to have better sleep? Or is it for you? Is just really like committing to the hours?
1: It's committing to the hours. I mean, the reality is I drink a lot of caffeine and I have pretty high energy. So sometimes I have to take melatonin or weed gummy if I'm being super honest to like just get myself shut down.
0: CBN is like the best. I don't know if you use that in your gummies. I use, oh yeah, I think that's in the plus gummy, right? I don't know what the plus gummy is. The plus,
1: by the way, major shout out to plus products. I think that their sleep gummy is the best. I think it's in there. Um, But I just- So I'm prioritizing. So like aura ring for sure. Superhuman for sure. I think once you learn the shortcuts on superhuman, my inbox is at zero to three every night. Like I'm constantly clearing it or just reminding, you know, pushing things to another times. I love it. I also, I'm obsessed with my calendar. I put everything in my calendar. I'm I'm very like, if I have a Saturday afternoon and there are things that I'm going to have to do, I put them in my calendar and then I do them. I'm ruled by that thing. So you use your
0: Apple calendar or what calendar are you using?
1: I use just the Google calendar. That's, you know, part of Gmail. That's part of Olive and June. I just, I, and I have obviously my personal, my professional, we have a shared family calendar, my husband and I. And so I just really, I'm just like, I stick to it. Like if I need to work out, I'm not like, oh, I'm going to work out tomorrow. I like put it in and I I make the time. And so I had, I had a former, our former CFO, COO, Claire, who was like incredible and was with me mostly through the salons. And then she transferred obviously out into an advisor role when uh, Sarah, our COO, CRO came in, but Claire just said to me, she has three kids and she obviously had a, a demanding job at all in June. And she just is the most efficient person I know. And she just said, if you plan everything, if you just are organized, you can have as many kids and as many businesses as you want. And I thought she was crazy. By the way, I've only had one child, so that's all I can handle. But she's right. Like the reality is like, if you can just get organized and it feels overwhelming, but you got to just sit down and do it then I, it feels way less overwhelming. I don't know what I'm doing on any particular day. Like I don't, I don't remember that Friday I'm taping, which is is what today is not when you guys will be listening to this, but Friday, July 8th is when I'm taping this podcast. I don't remember that. I literally, the night before I look at my calendar, I'm like, I know what's going on. And if I needed to be on cam or like, then my blowout would have been booked. Like I, I just book it all. And then I'm able to fully function as a human versus try every day to like organize my thoughts in my day.
0: I think that's such a great tip and doing it like in advance, like that way when you know you have this thing, do it all and then move on. Also, don't don't be
1: a hero. Like the reality is like, I have a dog, I have a child, I have a husband, I have friends, I have a business, like I have, you know, all like, like, you know, external family. I have all these things in my life. So I'm not gonna remember it all. And so don't try to. Like, don't try to be like, Oh, I'm like, I literally, I, we have an incredible assistant at Olive of in June. And like, I get reminded when it's someone's birthday a week before, do you want to send flowers? Do you, I know that sounds silly, but the reality is I'm not going to remember. I'm just not. And so, but I want the person to feel good and they're important to me. And so ask for help. Like my in-laws take my daughter one or two, one or two nights every month for, for a sleepover. It's amazing. Ask for help. Like, don't feel like you have to do it all yourself. It's just too, I think it's, I think it puts too much pressure.
0: What about your like to-do lists? Do you keep, what do you do about that? I I most, yeah. No, no, I don't do
1: anything physical. I don't do anything in paper. I know a lot of people like paper. It's not, and I actually remember things and I write them down but then I forget
0: the notebook. And so I do. <laughs> That's everything. always my biggest fear. I'm like, what happens if you leave this somewhere or someone steals it? <laughs> like I want
1: to do it. Like I yeah. like the idea of writing it, but it's also just like, I'm going to lose a notebook. So everything is digital. Everything goes in my calendar. If it's something that I need to do that, I just need to remind myself. I use superhuman, the email I use my inbox as like a reminder, just like email
0: it to yourself.
1: Yep. Yeah, I email to myself 60 times a day. And then I either get rid of it or I or on superhuman, you can just push it to another day. And so I do that a lot. Like today was pajama day at my daughter's school. It's on my calendar, but I was nervous that I would like miss it. Cause I wouldn't, sometimes I don't look at the all day stuff like immediately. And so I send a reminder to myself and she wore pajamas on pajama day.
0: I'm going to try that to do list. adding my to-do or like putting my to-do list into superhuman. I like that. It's
1: annoying because you have more emails, but if you are a person who is email centered, which right. I sadly right. am. Sometimes I
0: don't look at my to-do list. Exactly.
1: And then, and I don't want to forget pajama day. Like I, the one thing that I know is that I'm like, I don't want my daughter. I want my daughter to see me working. I want her to, my, both my parents worked. I was so inspired by them to have like an incredible work ethic, do something important for the world. Like they were just so, so important to them, but I also want my daughter to feel loved and, and seen and, I don't, I don't want her to feel kind of like left behind. And I remember my parents used to forget this is pajama day. This is this day. This is, and they would like forget certain things and it really hurt me. Um, and it's, they're busy. They were working. Like there's no disrespect to them, but I, for me, I'm like, if I can try to juggle and do both, which is always so hard to do, but if I can hit the important ones and also volunteer when I need to, et cetera, like. I only get one I have one child. I only get one shot at each grade, each moment. And so I really try to do whatever I can to be present with her and also not
0: forget Pajama Day. <laughs> I'm glad that you remembered today. <laughs> no,
1: I was so I like saw it. and then she, of course this morning I was like it's Pajama Day and she was like by the way mommy it's Pajama Day. I'm like I know. <laughs> but it just feels good to be, it feels good. It's, it's overwhelming. And the schools as anyone, if anyone's an entrepreneur and they don't have kids yet, the schools and the camps, they'll send you lots of emails. So it's a lot.
0: So as you look back to the original idea of Olive and June, and now how much the business has pivoted, what advice would you give yourself as far as, you know, Being at the beginning, thinking of like, where is this going? And just being open to pivoting in business and change. Yeah, I think that
1: it's so hard to give advice because it's hard to know. Everyone has to make their own decision on when they get to that critical moment. Should they be pivoting or should they be holding like steadfast, right? There are moments where you want to say, no, this is my business and this is what I came to do. And I have a true North Star and I don't want to get distracted. And then there are moments where you are heading towards the North star that actually is probably not the best way to grow the business. And I came to a really critical point during COVID with our salons. My emotional side of me did not want to let go. And I am obsessed with our manicurists. I feel like they were the most incredible, they are still the most incredible group of people I've ever worked with. And I love that in real life experience. But if I was looking at the analytical financial side, we had no idea when they, when salons would reopen. we had no idea we'd be able to be full capacity more importantly, which is kind of like where we were toggling with for three years almost. And we were losing money just existing. And I had to make the decision to close them and focus on the product business, which I guess financially made sense, but emotionally was awful for me. And also you don't know how much in real life is driving your digital business. You don't know how much it was a leap. Totally. And so it's hard to give advice because you, I don't want to say to someone, if something else feels like a shiny new ball, like products, just go for it. Cause that's not really how it goes. But I do think that if you have a gut feel, I think it goes back to like, if you have a gut feel of an entrepreneur, if that's who you, that's the kind of entrepreneur you are, then I would tend to listen to it more than, and support it with data. And if you don't feel like you have that and you're much more of a data person, then I would just lean on the data and let it guide you because I think it's gotten you this far and and it probably is the right decision. But ultimately, what's important for me, or what was important for me, was that Olive and June was beautiful nails for everyone. That is our mission. It has been since day one. It's never, that's never changed. And so what was the biggest way that we, as a brand could actually stand up and support that mission. And it was clear that products were going to scale to a place where we could actually not be making thousands of people happy every week, but be making millions. And I think in tens of millions, hopefully at some point. So that was really, I let that the North star of beautiful nails for everyone. My North star wasn't salons. It was this bigger mission and so because of that, I was able to listen to the financials. And, and frankly, I think we just didn't financially have a, it kind of the decision made itself. Sure, I think it's hard. And I think also lean on your entrepreneur friends, lean on your, I, I know that there are, you know, multiple people that, that I've talked to, talked about earlier in this podcast were really big sources of, of support for me during that time of what should I do? And really went through and many others really went through all of those different inputs with me to figure out what the decision should be, and
0: maybe maybe that is part of it too—is having that bigger north star that then allows you to pivot and go other ways, right? If it was like my north star is having a salon, do you doing... Yeah, which it could have been, right? right. And
1: I know I talked to I talked to an entrepreneur the other day who has a nail salon and it's profitable, and she's just doing an amazing job. And I'm like, she's like, should I open another one? And I'm like, you know, you you're, you're pitching it to me. You know, that you should open another one, but my North star was just different. And so my North star was really just making people happy. Yeah. And that's, that's probably more similar to the alley, you know, dry bar mission. It's always been about giving women confidence. And for me, it was about sparking joy. And so because of that, you know, via beautiful nails. And so because of that, it was really clear to me that, and that's why we started the second business, and right? We had the salon business, and then we started the second product business, which, by the way, were different consumers. Like the salon consumers is, you know, in, in Beverly Hills, Pasadena and Santa Monica is different than the DIY consumer across the country. And there's some overlap, actually, more than I thought, but they are really different. And so those, but they both fed into that North Star. And so then it just became clear, you know, what can we do? that actually makes the most sense. And then we'll always revisit in real life. And we're hoping to have some, it's going to be my next question. I know. <laughs> we're hoping to do something in the fourth quarter this year. It will not be service-based though. It'll be something more experiential. And so we'll have more details on that, you know, as we kind of figure that out, but, and test it out, honestly, but I don't, I, I think full service is no longer, or is not currently part of the Olive and June mission. Because I, I ultimately, you know, when the manicurists went off to do their own things, they set up their own salons, like mini salons. And like, I've just been incredibly supportive. We gave a ton of some, all of our supplies away and like really supported those businesses, but also we fed clients to them. Like, I think the reality is like when you can own your own business, which is what these manicurists have mostly have been able to do or go to other salons. They're loving their life. Yeah. So I don't feel the need to be competitive with that. So what else is next for you guys? I mean, so much, I, you know, we're the first nail brand to do press-ons and polish most brand, like all brands stick to one lane or the other, almost, almost all, and definitely all the brands of scale. So there's a lot to be done with what we've already launched. And so we're really excited about that. And like, where, what's our salon, you know, sorry, what's our, you know, channel distribution strategy. Like, do we ever sell in salons? Like what's that in real life piece? Like there's so much that we, that we have in the future, in addition to we're working on something like 10 innovation, you know, innovations currently. So there's a lot that's coming, but there's also a lot to build with what we have. And it's just continuing to scale and continuing to be the, the real answer for consumers
0: when they want DIY nails. So it's really exciting. So exciting. we'll we'll, we'll stay tuned. Okay. We're going to move to some rapid fire Q&A. Oh, exciting. Okay. The best advice you've gotten in the past six months,
1: best advice I've got, by the way, I do not look at rapid fire questions before they come so that I can be totally rapid fire. when I want to know Love that. It. The best advice, oh, I, I met with a CEO coach, which is really good. And he said, that, he said, what are the three things you want to accomplish in the next 12 to 24 months? And I told him, and he said, that is all you should focus on. Everything else, unless it sparks joy for yourself personally, is a no. And it has really defined for me what my focus is. That's such a good tip. It was, and it could be, by the way, it could be one or two, like depending on, but it shouldn't be more than three. Cause that's too many things to, to be focused on
0: a favorite book or podcast or mentor for growth.
1: I mean, obviously this podcast,
0: um, <laughs> what
1: I'm like clear answer. I, I like reading all I, I would. Okay. I would actually answer the question differently. Can I, can I pick a fourth? Sure. The one thing that I know about myself is that I never decompress. I never like, I I do a ton of beauty treatments to try to get out of my phone and I rarely get to like calm down, but I watch reality TV as a complete escape from the world. And the second is that I'm started rewatching Friday night lights with a friend of mine and literally like rewatching from season one and just like getting into it and like talking about it. And I think that if you can I also do my nails when I watch TV. So it's like, you know, it's, it's twofold. Perfect it works combo. Totally. But I think if you can, I love books. I, I read a ton of books that I don't read anything serious. I love podcasts. I actually listen to more serious podcasts and business podcasts than anything else. But I also think that if you can kind of like, if you can find something that really gives you joy that like can take you out of your life, I think that's a fantastic thing. Cause it's so rare.
0: I just binge Sailing Sunset up to- Oh my goodness, Sailing and Sunset? It, yeah, Selling Sunset. And to your point, I hadn't watched reality TV in so long and it was like the best thing to just escape and watch this. And so also- what's your favorite- well, Reality it's also great if you can watching. start from the beginning, right? So like I, I did, started from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing.
1: So like blow deck, I did, I did blow deck Mediterranean and I've started from the beginning because it was so old and you just like, you go with the character development. I'm obsessed with all the Real Housewives, just literally obsessed. I also, I like blow deck, although I haven't gotten into regular blow deck because it's just like, I binged on Mediterranean probably too much. <laughs> um, I really like, what's that one? It's um, What's that one in the Hamptons? That they, oh my goodness. I don't know. Oh, Summer House. Oh. So I'm obsessed with Summer House because it's just ridiculous. Like, and also I I love being like, oh, I, I can't believe Paige said that. Why would she do that? <laughs> I can't. And one of my girlfriends and I will like, just literally be like, can you believe that? And then she'll be like, no, Paige was so justified. I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> so it's just like fun. It's just fun. But, and I also like the idea that I'm, I'm not really talking
0: about anyone I know.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you don't want to do about that work. Like it no, is like exactly. the, one of the best escapes, I think from that standpoint.
1: And I'm laughing out loud it, but I'm not, you know, it's not high school where you're like, where you feel so insecure, you're making fun of your
0: friend, which right. I do not want to do. I want
1: to do it on people. I don't know. And I don't really need it. And it's just easy. So it's, it's like cotton candy,
0: <laughs> three things that you're currently loving. So it could be a product, not I'm a TV gonna... show. since we just talked about that, but anything for sure and this is not a
1: product plug because it's olive and june but for sure I'm obsessed with the olive and june press ons they are the easiest way to have like basically like better than gel nails i'm obsessed with them i wear them constantly and i think our community is a little bit like are you going to ever paint your nails again which i
0: which i do i intermittently do
1: but i'm i'm very very obsessed um, so and
0: that's also a good note for everybody that you can wear them all the time so like if you're have that question of is that bad to wear them all the time not bad no,
1: no. And I um, just don't rip them off your nails. That's the only thing that's bad. Okay. I am obsessed with Kosas's, back to Kosas, their new hyaluronic acid like lip liner because I'm not a person who wears lipstick. So I wear a lot of their like, I wear a ton of lip glosses, including Kosas's um, lip oil. And so it's nice to have like a little bit of color. And I really enjoy that. I also like kind of as as another, I like the Tarte Juicy Lip, which is color, but it's more like lip glossy. So those two things for my lips I'm obsessed with and my favorite product, I don't know if ever, but what my favorite skin product has always been Shawnee Darden's retinol. It is it, my mom, who's like in her fifties, maybe she's in her sixties now, by the way, she might be almost in her sixties. She is. Can you believe I like it's the pandemic everyone. (laughs) Um, but my mom put it on her face and like literally her lines diminished. It's an incredibly powerful retinol. And I've been using it. I've been with Shawnee for 10 years as my facialist, but she has, I've been using it when it was in like the old bottle. It's so good. And so I talk about it all the time because I think a lot of people can't like afford fancy facials. They can't like, they can't see Shawnee, like, but like her retinol is life-changing as a product.
0: So good. I just saw she did some new... Face prep, like a some face tool.
1: Yeah, she's a sculpting wand, which is incredible. She's is like me, where she will, and Sheena's this way too at Kosas. Like we make products at work. And we don't try to like come out products you don't need or that don't work. Like we're not interested in that at all. I'm not going to sell you a product that you do not need or that you can get better somewhere else. And Shawnee and and Sheena, like, I think that's one of the things we bond on is that like every product really works. And so, and in beauty, that's not always the case. Right. Totally. So she's, she's incredible as a facialist, obviously, but her product line, I think if you can't get in to see her and, or you can't. Like you can have a skincare routine and you don't actually need to go to a fancy facialist. You can have like even a facial maintenance every few months and really use the best products and your skin will soak it in. The only other product I would say that's a good complement to that as well is, which is better for texture, is Dr. Dennis Gross um, peel pads. Oh, I love those peel pads. They're incredible. I, I think they are, I, I know that other companies make similar ones. I think Dr. Dennis Gross is the best. Totally. They make a body one now too, which I Ooh. use and I'm obsessed with. I
0: should probably put that on my chest. I feel like.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Favorite wellness hack. Favorite wellness hack.
1: I mean, I mean, like meaning like something quick that you can do that'll. Yeah,
0: like maybe it's your aura ring, or maybe I mean, it's, it's a cold shower. I don't know.
1: Totally, it's probably. I mean. Hack, it's probably the peel pads because I think they give you like they they take away that dull layer and they make you look glowy. Like that's kind of like a hack and it's super fast. Yeah. I also would say I have two more. I also would say our cuticle serum that makes your nails look like you just got them done, even if they have that gap because you just did them a week ago at the bottom. And then the third would be I love a really rigorous. This is not a hack, this is like a to-do, a really rigorous, like gets everywhere body scrub. I think it like helps you not only relax. I think it helps get things moving. I think it makes your skin soft. I think everything about it is like a good, like kind of 360 experience.
0: Favorite words to live by.
1: I mean, literally just do it. That's kind of my motto in life is just like, do it and see what happens. I I said this on a podcast a million years ago that like got pulled. It was like I didn't go to business school. I just did it. But I, I, I feel like I like embodied the Nike slogan in my life. Just try uh, it. See what yeah. happens. Like, I mean, as long as it's not hurting anyone,
0: just try it. I feel happiest when
1: I'm with my daughter. What's her name? Noah. She's Noah. the best. So cute. I do feel happiest when I'm with my daughter and she's in a good mood. Can I, (laughs) can you caveat? (laughs) She's seven. So she's mostly in a good mood, but you know, once in a while, no, I, I am happiest. I'm definitely happiest with family.
0: Favorite Olive and June
1: moment. Oh my goodness. So many, we were, we did a, we did an event with Drew Barrymore after we had launched the business about six months after we launched the business. And I remember being there being like, this is the most surreal. I, by the way, I had plated. We had no money. So I had plated, she was friends with her. She's a best friends our brand director. So she was like, and she loved the business. So she did it out of the kindness of her heart. She's like literally a heart personified as a human being. Um, nice. She just was like, let's do it. Let's like do this event for press. And like, just to get all of you the map. I'm like, you are the most glorious human. But I had like plated the, you know, cheese and crackers on like plates myself. Like this was not fancy. This was like, literally like, how do I just make this a special event? And I just remember being so deeply grateful for the support and the love of another female entrepreneur because she had flower beauty and she was really doing this to help us. So that's probably like, that's a top, that's a top five for me. I, I think like every time we stand up for a community and really like just, Everything that we try to do for our community and make people feel really seen and heard and loved are always really nice moments for me and they and they're peak moments for me because I think we have such a big heart at all of in June. I don't know launching the press-ons after like two years of press-on innovation and I thought we would never get there. They're all kind of like it's it's peak to peak for me yeah. um, and feeling like people care and it's not just my friends buying the products is really exciting. <laughs>
0: Last question on rapid fire. What is your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey?
1: I think, well, first of all, it's like, I wish I was thriving on my wellness journey. I, I I, think my one of my best guy friends says that I go guardrail to guardrail. I'm like either like really thriving and I'm like working out, eating healthy, or I'm like the opposite. I'm like eating Twizzlers and I'm like, hold up in my bed, like what am I doing next? So I don't know that I'm, that I'm ever really like 100% thriving, but for me, it's, it's making time for working out, making time for just absolutely trying to like decompress my mind, whether that be a hike or with a friend or taking a walking meeting instead of kind of a stagnant call, et cetera. It's like really trying to be active because I can be very lazy about that. And so when I am thriving, it's definitely with some sort of physicality in my life. And I also think I'm an incredibly internally competitive person, I'm not competitive with other people externally, but I'm very competitive with myself. And so feeling good is has includes movement, which I, again, I put myself last. So it's usually the thing that falls away first.
0: And your sleep, it sounds like. The sleep is really, really helping. I
1: was like, definitely a person who was like, sleep, I only need four hours. I'm such a, I'm such a powerhouse, Right, like, it's like which is like opposite the opposite. And like, I use that voice. Cause like, what was I thinking? I was such a dumb, dumb. Like you read these books where people are like, literally every time you read a book of someone being like successful and how they're like, how they craft their day, it's always includes like seven to eight hours of sleep. Absolutely. I was just like, I thought I was like superhuman. The reality <laughs> is like, that's not a superpower. That's just like running on empty. And so I think, I think, yeah, I think sleep is a big, is a big thing. I've solved it, which is why it wasn't the first thing that came to my mind. I've just, I just realized that I was not very intelligent on that topic.
0: Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so much fun. Uh, In closing, where can everybody find you? Well, I'm such a big fan of yours and everything Thank that you've done. You. So I appreciate, deeply appreciate you including me
1: um, in your incredible lineup. Week, you can find Olive and June at Olive and June on TikTok and Instagram. I, oh, oliveandjune.com and at Target for our products. We have all of our products obviously on our website, but um, a selection at Target. And you can find me if you want to find me, but at least last but cert- and certainly least um, <laughs> at Gibson Tuttle on Instagram and TikTok.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.